right, we're going to go ahead and jump into our, our message this morning, Echoes from Exodus. We've, we've kind of gone through a couple of things. I want to give us a recap really, really briefly before we jump in. Obviously, we've talked about this, but uh, the Israelites are in slavery at this point, uh, and we talked about it last week. Moses has, has kind of gone his own way, tried his own thing. He's killed an Egyptian, and he, because he was afraid for his life, he ran and, and ran off into the desert. He was there for 40 years, and during that time, about the end of that 40 years, God appears to Moses in the burning bush and calls him back to go back to Egypt and lead the people out of, of, of slavery and back to God's promise and the promised land. And so that's kind of where we're at. We're going to pick up the story in, in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come and be together and look at your word together. And Father, I pray that you would just give us wisdom as we look at things. God, God that, that my words would cease and the Holy Spirit would just speak through me in this moment. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to be honest with you this morning, we're going to do things, I mean, it may seem similar, but for me and how I put this together, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, I want to share something from, from my story, from, from my past, um, something that maybe some of you know, maybe some of you don't. You'll all know by the end of the service. Um, because in, in a lot of ways, what we're going to be talking about really mirrors some of the things that I've experienced. And so I wanted to share this because I wanted you to know I've had firsthand um, experience in this. This is not something that I'm talking about this morning that is, that is easy. It's something that's quite honestly easy to speak on, but very hard to do. And I kind of wanted to tell you a little bit of my story before we jump into uh, Moses' story and see some of the same things that, that uh, I know that I've dealt with, that I know many of us have dealt with, and that obviously Moses dealt with. A lot of times when I talk about my past in ministry, I usually talk about Albuquerque. I talk about how I was there for 15 years as a youth pastor and, and things like that. What you might not know is that was not actually my very first experience in the ministry. Um, I call, was called in the ministry at a youth camp uh, when I was, a, I believe, a junior in high school. I did not, was not happy about that calling. Um, I remember taking a ride in, in the minivan with my mom after camp and telling her what, what I believe God had had called me to, and, and I don't remember being very excited about it. It was just kind of, this is the situation, and, and uh, it was not an easy thing for me to, to, to do, but I knew God had called me to, to go into full-time ministry and, and began at that point in my life to, to get to do things to head in that direction. So I, I got accepted to a Bible college and went to Bible college for four years and all these things and, and, and prepared and studied and did all those things, had times that were easy, times that were hard, but, but was moving towards that direction of God's calling on my life. And I remember after I graduated, I didn't quite have a job at that point. It was a little different back in the olden days. There wasn't, um, you know, as easy to find a position and things like that. But uh, I was able to eventually have an interview in, I believe, June uh, with a church. I'm not going to tell you the church. I'm just going to tell you it was in Indiana, um, just to protect the innocent. But uh, I, I was interviewed by a pastor there. I remember we, he, he drove from uh, Indiana. I drove from Kansas City, and we met in St. Louis, and we had a meeting and an interview and we began to talk and, and I began to share some of the things that I felt God had called me to do as a youth pastor and, and all these sort of things and, and it was, man, it was just, everything seemed to be clicking, everything seemed to be going well and I was, I was excited and I, I remember I drove home and I thought, man, I wonder if this is it, I wonder if this is the place that
that God's called me to start my ministry. Well, a few days later, a phone rang, and, and it was that pastor, and he said, hey, we want to invite you out to be our youth pastor. And, and I said, okay. And I, I was, was obviously praying, but continued to pray about it and, and, and just felt like, yeah, this was, this was it. This was the place. This was, this was where God was calling me to start my ministry. And so I moved from Kansas City and uh, loaded up a, a small Honda Civic and, and headed off to an apartment um, in, in Indiana and uh, got there and, and it started, you know, I kind of was talking to the kids and talking to their parents and man, it was just like, man, this is great. Everything's going to work. I was sharing my heart and my vision and what I saw about youth ministry and ministering to kids and all those types of things. I remember that I got there and a week later or less than a week later, I took, I took kids to youth camp. I mean, you want to talk about hitting the ground running. Um, I did that, and I took them off, and we started bonding and starting having these moments, and, and, and things started going well, but, but at the same time, there was this underlying current in the church that, that just didn't sit real well with me, and I didn't know what was going on. I, I'd never really been in a church in a position like this before, and so things were kind of happening, and I remember I was, I was brought over to a, a, a family's home uh, for lunch, and it was kind of one of these families that, that, that kind of... Um, you know, the grandparents were there and the parents were there there and their kids were in my youth ministry and, and they had brothers and sisters that were there and it was kind of those things. And I remember coming into that and, and it was kind of literally, didn't know it at the time, but kind of experience. It was kind of like walking into the lion's den, but not knowing you were in the lion's den. And things were beginning to be said and, and, and things were beginning to happen. And, and I remember thinking, how can Christian people talk like this? How can, how can people that were in places of ministry act like this and say things like this? And, and I just began to wonder, what's going on here? What, what's taking place? But, but I knew God called me here. I knew God, God brought me here. And we were beginning to see some, some cool things happen in the youth ministry and, and all these things. Well... To make a long story short, I remember it was my parents' 25th wedding anniversary that year. And my parents' wedding anniversary is in February, actually on Valentine's Day. And so I, I flew back to Kansas City to celebrate with them. Um, I had been there about six months. And I remember that I, I came in that Monday morning, flying back Sunday night, and was called into the pastor's office. And sat down and didn't know what the meeting was about. Assumed it was just something, hey, how was your trip? What's going on? With uh, Did your parents enjoy seeing you? All those sort of things. And I was fired. It's the first time in my life I'd ever been fired. I remember the pastor looked at me and he said these words. He said, Aaron, you've done everything I've asked you to do. But I needed you to do more. He said, on Sunday, you will stand in front of the congregation and you will let them know that you are resigning. I looked at him and I said, no, I won't. You're more than welcome to stand up there and say that, but I will not. I left that office broken. Confused, discouraged. Hurting. You see, it didn't make any sense. I was doing what God called me to do. 
I was following what I believed to be strongly God's plan for my life. I was expecting all these things. We're starting to see some great things. We're starting to see in the, the lives of kids, and not just kids, but their parents, some exciting things in just six months. And I was excited, and I, I, I was looking forward to the spring and looking forward to the summer and all that that would bring. And I couldn't understand what happened. I couldn't understand why God called me and brought me to a place to just simply be there for six months and then removed. I had expectations that just weren't realized. So I've been here. I don't like to talk about it because it still hurts. I don't like to talk about it because it's still, in some ways, unfortunately, I wish I could say I'm better than this, but it's still kind of embarrassing. But I've experienced those things. And they've hurt. They make you want to quit. They make you want to do something else. I, I even remember as wonderful as he is and was, I remember going back to Kansas City after all this happened and, and having a, a lunch with my pastor that I had had for my whole life. His encouragement for me was simply get out of the ministry and sell insurance. That's where I was at that time. And I wanted to give up. We're going to look at a story in Exodus this morning that, that I believe is very important that we understand as, as individuals and as a church because unfortunately my story is not unique. It's not a story that no one else has. Now, maybe you haven't experienced it in the same way I have, but we all experience these things. You see, this is in your notes as we kind of jump into these. When we follow the call of God, we expect roses and sunshine. Why? Because we're doing what God called us to do. We're following His plan for our lives. And, and the interesting thing is, is this is how, in some ways, we pick up the story in Exodus 4. So let's look at it. In Exodus 4, 29 through 31, this is what it says. After God has spoken to Moses, He has a clear call. He has a clear direction. This is what it says. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses, Moses excuse me, performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. So in this story, in this part of the story, we see an excitement. God has called, God has answered, God has spoken. And now we can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Because surely if we just will walk in God's plan, everything will be roses and sunshine. Everything will work the way it's supposed to and just, just be easy and perfect. And so the response to this is a worship. They get excited. We'll see in a minute as we look at kind of something in Exodus 5. They literally stop working. They begin to make plans about, hey man, we're out of here. We're headed to the promised land. God has seen us. God has responded to our misery and our cries. And so they begin to get excited. 
They begin to celebrate. They begin to say, man, oh, man, oh, can you imagine what that, that honey is going to taste like in the promised land? That milk is going to taste like. Because they have been excited and waiting for this day. God has spoken and now it is time to do some amazing things. Experience some amazing things. God has called the man. The man is here and now we're going home. And so their expectation is one of great excitement. It's one of great promise. It's one of, of I, can, I can almost see them. We, we talked about this in Genesis. When Joseph passes away, when he dies, he makes the people promise. Listen, when you leave this place, when you go home, take my bones with me. Take it back to the promised land. I wonder if people started going, man, where are the bones of Joseph? We need to start gathering these things up because, man, it's time. It's finally here. It's finally time. After... 40 years of Moses' life and then him running away in 40 more years of the desert. It's finally time. But there's a problem. You see, the reality is that when we follow the call of God, instead of roses and sunshine, we can get thorns and mud. You see, we expect the roses, we expect the sunshine, but sometimes... And unfortunately, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times there is a season of thorns and mud. There's a season where you begin to get cut up and scraped up. There's a, a season and a time where you begin to walk in that mud and that mud just sticks to your boots and every step seems like it's just you're carrying not just your weight, but the weight of the world on your shoulders. Let's look at this in Scripture. Let's look at this in the story of Exodus. In Exodus 5, we're going to look at several uh, verses in here. So hang with me here, but it's important that we see all this. Exodus 5, 1 through 9, this is what it says. It says, after this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so, retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The Lord God, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, they declared. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with a sword. But Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Again, get back to work. They're not getting back to work if they're still working. They stopped to sell. They're ready to go. Get back to work. Verse 5, look there. There are many of your people in the land, and you are stopping them from their work. The same day, Pharaoh sent orders to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Let make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. So Moses and Aaron, with, with the blessing of the people, with God's blessing and God's call, they go to Pharaoh. They said, you got to let the people go. Pharaoh says, no, I don't. I don't have to listen to you. And if that wasn't bad enough, now he begins to take one step further. He basically says, listen, the bricks that you're making, you have to find your own straw. Straw was provided, but now you have to find it yourself and have the same amount of bricks made let's continue with the story uh, exodus 5 starting with verse number 13 
Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continue to push them. Meet your daily quota of bricks, just as you did when we provided you with straw, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelite foremen they had put in charge of the work crews. Why haven't you met your quotas either yesterday or today, they demanded. So the Israelite foremen went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him, please don't treat your servants like this, they begged. We are given no straw, but the slave drivers still demand make bricks. We're being beaten, but it's not our fault. Your own people are to blame. Verse 17, but Pharaoh shouted, you are just lazy, lazy. That is why you're saying, let us go offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you still must, uh, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite foremen could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told you must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. And now verse 20. As they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, may the Lord judge you and punish you for making a stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. So in our story, again, not only is, is this situation becoming bad to worse, but now it's becoming even worse to where now they, the, the, the people that were celebrating Aaron and Moses, that were celebrating that they were there to lead the people out, now they're cursing Aaron and Moses. You have brought all this on us. This should have been, this should have been sunshine and roses, but no, now you've made it thorns and mud. You have ruined this. You've made it worse than it was before. In Exodus 5, 23, we see Moses begin to pray. He begins to call out to God. And this is what he says. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested. Why? Why have you brought all this trouble on your people, Lord? And he even goes one step further. Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. And you have done nothing to rescue them. You know, it's tough because we have this issue, and we've talked about this before. We know the ends of the stories. We know what will happen. We know that eventually, yes, God does do what he promised he would do. But what do you think had to have been going through Moses' head right now? What do you think must have been going through his mind? He's sitting there and we see a little glimpse where he said, you know, it's almost like if, if we, we didn't look at it in this series, we've looked at it in other series where we see kind of that, that interaction between Moses and God at the burning bush. And you know what Moses is always saying? Don't send me. Send someone else. I can't do it. I'm not uh, capable. I don't speak well. No one will listen to me. He keeps making an excuse after excuse after excuse. And now he's shown up. He's done exactly what God has asked him to do he literally says everything God has asked him to say and it's made it worse for the people and Moses cries out why did you even send me why why did you even bring me to this place I've made it, I haven't made it better. I haven't been the leader that's, that leads them to where, God, you promised them to be. God, all I have done is taken a bad situation and made it worse. You see, I think that we all do this at times. 
We all make the mistake that we think if God has called us to something that it is going to be an expression of just roses and sunshine. Why? Because we're doing exactly what God's asked us to do. We're doing exactly what God asked us to say. But instead we get thorn and we get mud. But there's something we need to understand. And it is a constant theme throughout not just Exodus, not just the life of Moses, but truly pretty much anybody that's ever done anything great for God in Scripture or after. And it's in your notes. Anyone that ever does anything great for God will experience a season filled with thorns and mud. You see, one of the great mistakes that I I think I have made and that quite honestly a lot of people make is we have this thought that if we'll just follow God's plan, if we'll just learn it and walk in it, that that means we're just going to have a sunshine, rainbow, no problem, blue skies existence. And I've even seen people, and I've done it the same where, where I know what Jesus has said. He says, in this life you will have trouble. He didn't promise us this this concept of of, of easy. He promised us hard. But even knowing that, we still have the expectation that God, surely if I'm doing what you want me to do, it'll be easy. It'll be perfect. It'll be simple. It'll work just like I expect it to work. But instead, we get seasons where we're cut deep by the thorns. We're made weary and tired by trudging through the mud. And it's hard. And we get discouraged. We get broken. And I'll be honest with you. This is the season where a lot of us will quit. A lot of us will say, you know what? I'm done I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. God, obviously, I misheard you. I didn't hear correctly. I remember when everything happened in Indiana, I remember driving home in my car feeling like an abject failure. And feeling like I I must have missed God. Obviously, that wasn't the place God had for me. Trying to work through those feelings, those hurts. Trying to somehow bandage thorn cuts and somehow try to remove boots that were caked in mud that I couldn't walk in anymore. So many of us in that moment say, you know what, I'm done. Not just with things God called us to, but even sometimes in our walk with God in general. We begin to say things like this. Well, if this is how God treats those he loves, I don't want anything to do with it. If this is what it means to follow God's will, you know what? I was better off the other way. At least in those moments, I could not have to deal with the fact that I had a father that I was told loved me and told his plan was perfect for me, but yet hurt me so deeply. There will be seasons. There will always be seasons. I've said this before, but I think it's so true. The man that lived in the perfect will of God who heard God's voice and obeyed it in every situation, 
When he did, it took him to the cross. It took him to thorns and death. And sometimes we think that we get to be different, but we're not. And so we do, we, we want to give up, we want to quit, we want to look at it and say, you know what, I must have misheard, I'll, I'll go do something else, I'll, I'll go be something else, I'll, I'll hear God's voice and try something different, but God still is working, God is still moving. And here's the thing that we have to understand, because the story, thankfully, and we know this, doesn't end in Exodus 5, but at the same time, Moses didn't know there was an Exodus 6. So it makes it hard. But here's the thing. And we need to know this. And we need to believe this. And we need to hold on to this truth when it's difficult. And when we're in those seasons. And it's this. If God has called you to do something, you will see the miracle if you don't give up during the season of thorns and mud. If you don't give up, you will see what God has promised. But there will be seasons when it's hard. But look, look what God did even before. We're going to go back now and look at what God has communicated to Moses even before he left the burning bush. Look at Exodus 3. We're going to look at Exodus 3 verses 10 through 12 and then we're going to jump to verse 19. This is what it says. Now go. This is God speaking to Moses. For I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Again, here he goes. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt... Are people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So, so God has, has called him. He said, no, listen, listen, I know it's going to be difficult, but I'm with you. And he makes a promise. He says, not only am I going to be with you, but you will come back here and worship. Now let's jump on to verses 19 through 20. But this is what God says to him. He says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last, he will let you go. You know, I've, I've read this story. I've seen the movies, you know, all these sort of things. Did you ever wonder... Why didn't God just do it differently? Why didn't God just basically say, Moses shows up and says, hey, Pharaoh, listen, I know you're not going to let the people go, so guess what? Plagues are a-coming. Miracles are a-coming. I know it's going to have to happen, so this is what's going to go on. But God doesn't do that. He tells Moses, listen, you need to go and you need to say these things. But he's already told Moses it's not going to be easy. He's already expressed to him there's going to be thorns, there's going to be mud, there's going to be times where you're going to want to quit. There's going to be times where, as you saw in Scripture, Moses says, why did you even send me? God has already promised the miracles. God has already laid out what will happen. But at the same time, it's so hard. It can be so discouraging. It can be so life-sucking in a lot of ways. And Moses, even though he has a promise of God, literally from a bush that is speaking to him that won't burn up, God's already told them the end of the story. 
God's already told him that it wasn't going to be easy. And it was still hard. And even though Jesus has said that to us, even though Jesus has come to us and said to us, it's going to be difficult. There will be times of thorns. There will be times of mud. There will not always be this kind of nice, easy, smooth path to walk on. We still have God's promises of his miracles. We still know that God will do what God promised he would do. But you know what? I believe and I truly do believe this. I believe there are many miracles, if this makes sense, that are left on the shelf of God in God's kingdom because people have given up during the seasons of thorns and mud. They said it's too hard. It's too difficult. I'm too tired. And they've missed the miracle. They've missed the opportunity to see and accomplish something great. Think of the stories we have in Scripture about what if, what if Noah had said, you know what, I'm tired of people making fun of me. I'm tired of building this boat for, for a year after year after year. I'm tired of being the laughing stock. I'm tired of people treating me like garbage. I'm tired of experiencing these moments. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm not building this boat anymore. I haven't seen a drop of rain. I don't even know what rain is. And I'm quitting and I'm done and I'm fed up. What would have happened? What if David had looked at the situation and said, you know what? I'm tired of being chased by this maniac Saul. I'm tired of dealing with his nonsense. I'm tired of doing the right thing and always seeming to, to get dumped on. I'm just, I'm wore out. I'm tired. So you know what? There he is. He's laying on the ground. I'm going to take my sword. I'm going to drive it through his temple and I'm going to be done with this. How would that have affected the line that eventually leads to our Savior? How about Jesus as he's in the garden? Praying, wrestling, knowing that you know, we're talking about, you know, not literal thorns and mud, but, but in a lot of ways, Jesus knew thorns were coming and nails were coming and whipping was coming. What if Jesus had said, you know what, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. What if he had listened to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that said, if you really are the Son of God, come down off that cross. What if he said in that season of pain and hurting, you know what? I think I will. I'll show you who I am. What if Paul, who Scripture tells us literally, he calls it a thorn in his flesh, had said, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm tired. I'm tired of being beaten. I'm tired of traveling. I'm tired of being doing all I can for these churches and then leaving and then having to write letter after letter trying to get them to stop doing the silly things that they're doing. I'm done. Think about the miracles that would have been lost. Because here's the thing. As we kind of bring this to a close, and these are in your notes, questions, that I think we all have to ask in these moments. It says, could it be that even though you are in a season of thorns and mud, 
you are right where God wants you to be. I had to come to a place in my life, and I, I'm still probably not all the way there, where in my life when things have happened that, I, that I've known God has called me to, or known God has, has made, or, uh, that was God's plan for my life, and things didn't go the way I thought they would to get over that. To really believe, no, I did hear God's voice. I did do what God's asked me to do. I'm sure there had to be a time in Moses' life, and probably Aaron's as well, where they had to sit down together and, and, and encourage each other and say, no, no, God promised this. We're going to get through this. No, I know the people are upset. The people are frustrated. They're hurting. They, they don't understand. But we know that God has called us to this place. And even though it's a season of thorns and mud, God, we are right where God wants us to be you see we've fallen into this lie that says if you're where God wants you to be then it'll be easy I was talking to someone even the last couple of weeks and I was talking to them and I was trying to help them understand they were they were looking at situations and I, I I'm, I'm trying to help them as they are looking at these things and I'm I'm trying to help them understand listen you could do exactly what God asked you to do and the thing you want to happen the least could still happen because just because we're hearing God's voice doesn't mean that God's voice is always going to take us down that path of roses and sunshine. Sometimes we'll still be there, but we're still exactly where God wants us to be. Number two, could it be that even though you are in a season of thorns and mud, God's miraculous plan is about to unfold? What if you're just about there? What if, if you'll just hold on for another day, your miracle will come? What if you're just about through? You're just about done with the pain in that moment of the thorns. You're just about ready for God to give you some brand new boots and for him to miraculously make the path not muddy but dry to walk on. You see, later on, it's kind of interesting, later on, and we'll talk about it probably later, but later on in, in Exodus, they, the Israelites once again are faced with a very, very difficult situation. Now they have been set free. They are on their way to the promised land, but there's a problem. Israel, I mean, Egypt's army's behind them, the Red Sea's in front of them, and they're trapped. And God miraculously parts the sea. And it's interesting that scripture records that they walk across on dry land. God removes the mud. But God does it in his plan, in his time, and in his miraculous way. But what if you are just about there? What if, if you can just hold on to the hand of God in a tighter way during this season, that tomorrow your miracle will come? What if? What if? But here's what I can promise you. Here, the, 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 here's what's interesting. On your notes, those two are questions. Now I'm going to make a promise. Now I'm going to make a statement that I believe with all of my heart that's easy to say but still sometimes hard to do. But listen, hear me and get this. If you get nothing else out of this message, hear this. If God has spoken to you 
and you are walking in obedience to what he told you, I promise you that the rose will bloom and the sun will shine eventually. The rose will bloom and the sun will shine. You see, I don't know much about flowers, but one thing I do know is the rose in a rose, the thorns always come before the flower blooms. But I know and I believe in my life and in our lives, in the life of this church, in the life of other churches, that if we will be willing to get through that season that is difficult, if we won't quit, if we'll continue to serve, if we'll continue to to pray, if we'll continue to look to God, if we'll continue to do those things, that the rose will bloom and the sun will shine. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that looks like in my life or yours, but I believe that the miracle will come because God promised us. And God's promises are yes and amen. God's promises are true and good, even though at times it's hard, even though at times we're weary, we want to quit, we want to stop we want to go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try this over here, or I'll do that over there, or I'll, I'll, I'll leave or do this or that, whatever the situation is. When we're obedient, we're walking in it, in God's promises and in His obedience, God's miracles will take place. I believe that, even at times when it's so hard to believe it. The worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. This is one of, like I said before, it's one of those messages that's so easy to to share and so hard to actually do because because it hurts. And we get discouraged and we get tired. And, And it's interesting, and this doesn't happen every time, but it's interesting that um, in this story you see you see what what seems to be a great victory. God has heard us. God, God knows our name. God, God knows our address in a lot of ways. God's going God's to do what he's always promised. We're going home. And I believe in a lot of ways in the book of Exodus, and we've kind of talked about it before, we've kind of looked at it, we'll continue to look at it. Pharaoh in a lot of ways represents not just the enemy, but, but, but literally our enemy. He, he represents Satan in a lot of ways. And so we're, we're, the Israelites are having this moment where, wow, finally, it's going to happen. Finally, we're going to go home. We don't have to work anymore. We're, we're excited. We're going to experience the freedom that God promised. We're going to the promised land. And, and it's just like the very first thing. It's like, wham, like a two by four right across their foreheads. And it's just like the enemy. The enemy, listen, the enemy doesn't want you to make it to the miracle. I mean, that that seems simple to understand, but we tend to forget it. The enemy is going to do all that he can to keep us from the miracle that God has. Because the enemy doesn't want to let the people go. The enemy doesn't want us to live in the freedom that we can have in Jesus Christ. He wants us to remain in bondage. He's not going to just sit back and say, hey, listen, all right, fine, go on. 
So in that moment where it's like, okay, here we go, wham. Not only do they not get to go, but their lives turn from bad to worse. And that's hard. But here's what I know and here's what I believe. God has called all of us. God has put a calling on all of us. It's not just a pastoral calling. It's not just a calling into full-time ministry. God has put a calling on all of us. You say, Aaron, I don't know what my calling is. And I'm like, listen, that's a whole other message. But listen, we need to figure that out because God has called all of us to accomplish something mighty and great for him. But as soon as we begin to walk in that calling, as soon as we leave the desert and begin to walk in that, the enemy is not going to just sit by and let it be roses and sunshine. He's going to bring some rain. He's going to bring some mud. He's going to bring some thorns because he doesn't want you to accomplish the great thing that God has called you to do. And for a lot of us, for a lot of pastors, we quit. I haven't looked recently, but the last time I looked, you know what the average stay for an Assembly of God pastor is, a lead pastor in a church? Two years. That's it. That's the average. So for every guy that stays 20, what's that mean? Why do guys do that? Because thorns and mud come when you follow God's calling, and it hurts, and you get tired, and you want to quit. Oh, if I could just go over here, the grass will be greener on the other side. Listen, I'm not talking about guys who hear God's call and God's moving them because that happens a lot. God moves people and we have to be obedient to what God's asked us to do. But I would dare say if, if I really looked at it and that a lot of people just say, you know what? I'm tired of the season. I'm tired of waiting for the promise. And I'm done. I'm not throwing rocks at any of these people, but... I know one guy, and I know there's more, but I know one guy that I was friends with in college that went to school for the ministry that is still in the ministry. It's hard. And I'm not saying that we're all called. It's hard for all of us. But we've got to make it through if we want to see the miracle. So I want to pray with you this morning. I want to encourage you. This isn't, a, this isn't a message of despair. It's a message of hope. It's a message of, of, of realistic, if that makes sense. It's a message to open your eyes to what Jesus tried to help us to see. Because remember, he doesn't just say, in this world you'll have trouble. He says, take heart because I've overcome this world. This is a season. This is not the destination. But in the seasons, we want to give up. We want to say, I'm done. And I don't want to see us. I don't want to see me. I don't want to see this church miss the miracles that God has promised. But I'll tell you this, you're going to get cut up. You're going to get mud on your boots. But we will see the miracle if we will continue to seek after him. So I want to pray with you and for you and over you. 
And honestly, if you're in a season of thorns and mud, I just want to encourage you that God hasn't forgotten you. You didn't, you didn't miss it. God's got a plan, but this is a season. And he's going to accomplish what he's promised. For those of you that aren't, that need to hear God's calling and begin to move in it, get going. It's time. We don't have a lot of time left, I believe, in this situation of life that we're dealing with right now. The days are getting short, folks. It's time to get busy and be about the harvest. So let's pray. Father, we come to you right now. And God, first, I pray over those that are tired. God, I pray over those that, that have been cut. God, I pray for those that are tired, their feet are covered in the mud. And God, I just pray right now that you would sustain them. That, Father, that you'd give them strength. You'd give them hope. You'd remind them of the promise that you gave them. You would reassure them, you are in my will. You are walking that path. There's just seasons of thorns and mud. But also, Father, that you would encourage them that they, that they would know and that they would believe that there are going to be a day, it's coming soon, where there will be a day uh, when the rose blooms and the sunshine shines if we don't give up. If we'll learn from Jesus, if we'll learn from Noah, if we'll learn from Moses, if we'll learn from all these individuals and even people that, that aren't in Scripture that we know and have learned from who in their walk with you had experienced some very difficult, dark times. You brought them through it. And Father, for those that maybe they're, they're not at this point walking in their calling, that Father, you would call them up. They would hear your call. They would respond to that call. They would walk in with eyes wide open, knowing the miracle's coming, but there's going to be struggles. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be moments where I want to quit. And that in that moment, they wouldn't run to Pharaoh. They wouldn't run to, to have a fit or mad at somebody else. But Father, that they would run to you and that you would sustain them during that season. Because Father, that's what you want to do. You don't have these situations. They don't come and then you just say, you know what, you're on your own. You want to come and walk us through these moments. So Father, I pray that no matter where we're at, that as a church, as a family, as a individuals, as, as, as a, a family at home, that we in this moment would grab a hold of you, grab a hold of your hand tighter than we ever have before, and that you'd walk us through. We love you. We thank you. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come lead us in a quick closing chorus.
your love will, will never let us go. No matter, no matter where we're at, no matter how easy the road is in this moment or how hard it is, you will never let us go. Your love is there. It will sustain us and help us. And so, Father, as we close this time, Father, I pray that you would once again, as you have so many times before, that your love would just, would just come. That your plan and your assurance and your hope would just flood into our hearts and into our souls and into our minds. That, Father, we would not allow this season to destroy us. We would not allow this season to distract us. We would not allow this season um, that, 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 that the enemy desires so desperately to destroy, to allow that to happen. That, Father, instead, we'll look to you, we'll hold on to you, we'll know that this is just a season and the miracle is coming. The promise is coming. And we will hold on to you and on to those promises with a death grip. Knowing that your plan is perfect and we trust you and trust the plan and the calling on every single life. Help us, Father. This is tough and we need your help and we know you'll help us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. want to also thank you for those that are online. Hope you're doing well. Miss you. Hope to see you soon. Hope everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.